The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Genesis chapter 8, let's get into the Word this morning. Is it still morning? It's afternoon. It's morning somewhere. Genesis chapter 8, while you're turning there, I remember going through a distressing time and a brother in the Lord was saying, man, it's going to be all right. His mercies are new every morning. I said, dude, it's not morning. He says, yeah, but it is somewhere. (laughs) How do you argue with that? Genesis chapter 8, I want you to find verse 6. We're going to read from verse 6 through verse 22, reading from the New King James Version this afternoon. Are you ready? Genesis 8, verse 6. So it came to pass at the end of 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. Then he sent out a raven which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot, so she returned unto the ark unto him, where the waters were of the face of the whole earth, so that he put out his hand and took her and drew her into the ark himself. And he waited yet another seven days, and again he set out the dove from the ark. And the dove came to him in the evening, and behold, a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth. And Noah knew that the waters had receded from the earth. Verse 12, so he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And in the second month of the 27th day of the month, the earth was dry. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Verse 18, so Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with them, every animal, every creeping thing, every bird and Whatever creeps on the ground according to their families went out of the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal, of every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord, or a whole offering, another version says. Verse 21, And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Read verse 22 with me altogether. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, 
winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Father, we thank you and praise you for what you've done in the service prior to this one. We ask, Lord, that you would release unto us living understanding. Holy Spirit, come, move in our hearts and our lives. Gives us ears to hear and a heart to respond. What you would say to us, your bride, your church. Lord, we thank you and praise you for the anointing that falls even now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Noah's on the ark for about a year. Now, that's a long time. I don't know if any of you have ever gone out to sea. Is there anyone gone out to sea for any length of time? I was always amazed hearing Pastor Vince's testimony that they put Pastor Vince in submarines in the Navy. Nuclear submarines. and I went out to sea myself. 1992, I worked on retrofitting a trawler into a long-lining vessel. It was Swedish-owned, Norwegian-owned, pardon me. And upon the completion of the retrofit, I was offered a job as a, as a deckhand on the fish processing deck of this vessel. It was going to steam up from Seattle through the inside passage to Ketchikan and then from Ketchikan go to Dutch Harbor and then out of Dutch Harbor we would commercial fish long lining for Pacific Cod. I remember uh, talking to a Christian man when I told him he was, he was helping me. I had a very difficult circumstances then. I remember telling him I was going to go commercial fishing and he grabbed me by my, my windbreaker with tears running down his face and said, don't go, don't go. He had just gotten back and I thought, relax. I think he knew something I didn't know. He went long, he went long lining with the same company I was going to go with. We took this vessel up the inside passage. I was seasick. Seasickness is a, just a major will killer. I mean, you, you just really kind of want God to take you to heaven. You, you just, you're done. You know, stick a fork in you, you're finished. You just can't seem to. So I got to that point at the, in the inside passage. And I would go up on the deck and lay my face down on that cold steel. And I'll never forget just trying to ride the night out with my face on the cold steel. It was, it was December. Thank God it wasn't snowing, but the fresh air seemed to help me. And I remember this salty dog came to me. He said, Greenhorn. And I was definitely green. I looked green. You know what I'm talking about. And I don't even think they knew my name. They just called me Greenhorn. And they said, Green, he said, Greenhorn, you sick? I said, yeah. He said, well, you're in some serious trouble then. Because this ain't even the open ocean, boy. I thought, oh, God, what does that mean? As he walked away. Well, we went to the open ocean. And I experienced at its height 30 and 40 foot swells. Couldn't fish. Stuff flying all over. Have to tie yourself in your bunk. Saw a bag of potatoes explode on the ceiling. I remember being in a wheelhouse. I was invited up into the wheelhouse by the first mate. Who, by the way, he says to me after a week. Now, I, I did a week of this. A week working, crawling 
along the walls. That's how seasick I was. A whole week like that. Couldn't eat anything, was losing weight. I just wanted to die. I, I thought I was going to die. And he comes to me after a week. The first mate and says, hey, listen, I've been watching you. You're still sick. I say, yeah. He says, I got something that will help you. I thought, I just wanted to beat him down. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Why didn't you give me that like days ago? He gave me something that helped me, and it did help me, but I never felt good. And I will not ever forget getting into Dutch Harbor after a month at sea, getting off of that vessel. I mean, we're coming in, and I'm like, yes, land. <laughs> Deliver me, God. But I'd signed a contract, so you gotta, you got to do the whole, you know, you got to finish the contract. You don't get any money, and that's how the deal was. And so it's coming, and I remember stepping off the vessel, coming down the gangplank, getting on the, on the dock, and getting sick again. I got right back up on the boat. I just said, what's, what's going on? Now I got land sickness. <laughs> Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Can you imagine being Noah? Can you imagine being Noah, being inside an ark? It's really a barge. With all of these animals. And coming off the vessel... For the first time in almost a year. I mean, it had to be quite an experience for him. And God told him, if you look at your notes now, and we do have notes, anybody have notes? If you don't have them, raise your hand, they'll bring that to you. Just as God told him to go into the ark, God told him to build the ark, God told him to go into the ark, God tells him to come out of the ark. He, he hears God's voice. And I think it's imperative that each of us Learn to hear his voice. The first thing that he does. What is the first thing he does? Like I, like I got to Dutch Harbor. The first thing I was just so thankful there is land. The first thing I did, I, I was very thankful. First, first thing he did is he worships. Which I think is what I would have done if I knew what that was. I worshiped. And then I got sick and got back on the vessel. He worshiped. God. That's the very first thing he did. The very first thing Noah does is he worships. And I believe that's significant. Now this text is pregnant with all kinds of revelation from the raven to the dove and, the, and on and on and on and the opening of the ark. There is so much here. The different levels of the ark and you tying that, you can relate that to the tabernacle. And I mean there's so much. There's so much prophetic stuff. There's so much here. I just want to focus on this one piece as we put a foundation by which we can live our lives. You need to learn to worship. We need to learn to be worshipers. And it's exactly what Noah does when he comes out of the yard. And he offers this offerings. Uh, one version says whole burnt offerings as thanksgiving to God. Well, what does that mean? You might recall that the ancients what they would do is they had a revelation of God and they had a revelation of giving unto God and worshiping Him. Even before the law on Mount Sinai, they would offer offerings unto Him. And, and, uh, but you'll see also in Leviticus, as in the book of Numbers, whole burnt offerings were seen as a fulfilling of a vow or a celebrating of a festival. And so he's just really he's thanking God. And it, it was a pleasing aroma or a sweet savor unto the Lord. And I cannot read that and not think about Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Philippians chapter 4, and if you would put that up, Philippians 4 and verse 8, Paul is in prison, and the church in Philippi sends him an offering, and what he says is it's this sweet, pleasing aroma to the Lord. It says, finally, brethren, is that 4, 8? 
Okay, I got the wrong verse, but it's in the book of Philippians anyway. He, it's a sweet aroma unto the Lord, and he's talking about their offering that comes to him. Here's the takeaway. Literally, the things that we do, our actions can be pleasing to God or not pleasing to him. And what's amazing to me is that we can actually bring pleasure to God. That's amazing. By what you do, the way that you worship, the way that you sing, the way that you lifted your hands today, when you gave today, when you prayed today, all the things that we're doing in worship, it's pleasing unto God. That's amazing. Some of you weren't pleasing God so much. You know who you are. You came, you really aren't thinking about the Lord, thinking about your burnt toast maybe. Thinking about, thinking about what's wrong. Maybe you don't even know what you're doing here. Somebody invited and you're waiting for the punchline. It's coming. Just hang on there. I think about the times where I've pleased the Lord and times when maybe I didn't please Him so much. As I was thinking about this, I, I was preparing my sermon in my little camper. I got this little camper. and I really like it. And I sit in there and all alone, just me and my camper. And I came in to take a break and kind of meditate and think about what I was working on. I saw the trash can was full. You know, trash can at the house. Inside, you know, the the garbage can. And so I thought, oh, the garbage can is full. Well, thank you, Jesus. And I thought, well, that's an act of worship. I didn't want to take the trash out because then I got to walk. I want to go right back out into my revelatory camper. Hopefully a revelatory camper. I don't want to take the trash out. But I saw the trash needed to be done. Kids are doing all the stuff that the kids are doing, not around. I'm the guy. I'm looking at it. And I thought, well, this really is an act of worship. I know it's the right thing to do. I know my, hates, I know my wife hates it when it gets to the brim, right? Is that just my wife? And I know because I'm a dude, I kill stuff, spiders, animals, whatever needs to be taken care of, right? And I take out the trash, I'm the trash man. Any other fellow's got the job of the trash? Okay. My wife doesn't take the trash. If my wife's taking the trash out, we have definitely displeased God. In my house. So I I take the trash and, you know, and, and when you pull it up and it drips all over the floor, you know, you go back and continue to worship while you clean it up. Or maybe bring the can outside, you know. So I look at it. I want to get back to my camper and I'm thinking... Here's worship right here because it's the last thing I want to do. I do not want to mess with the trash. So I take the trash out, took it out, wash my hands, and thank you, Jesus. Do you know worship is supposed to be your whole life? Our whole life is supposed to be worship. This morning you came to church. I, I hope you had a desire to worship God. Hope you hope you didn't come for some other ulterior motive. Hope you came just to worship Him. Didn't come to see some show. We don't have a show to give, so what do you mean? Wasn't that a show on the platform? No, it wasn't. Amen. We definitely didn't rehearse having everybody step off the platform. My daughter didn't know she was singing. All of that, none of that's rehearsed. We endeavor to really just worship Him and let the breeze, the wind of the Spirit of God come and blow through this place. But it's a wonderful thing that we can seek Him. The most important thing you can do this week, you're doing right now is worshiping Him 
look to him on the first day and say, God, this whole week's yours. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to listen to your word. I'm going to grow to become more like you. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And Noah's worship moved the heart of God. And that's, again, amazing. Noah's worship got God's attention. Let me ask you, when's the last time you worshiped in such a way to get God's attention? See, I don't think, I think, I think we have God's attention because we're the apple of his eye. I'm not trying to say you don't have his attention if you're not worshiping with all your heart. But it does move him when you do worship with all your heart. When you, when you worship in him with all of your being. In other words, you're not just singing the songs, can't wait to hook your boat up, you know, because the fish are running and you're going to head up to desk or right after church. Hope the bald-headed preacher hurries up, preaches quick, so you can get your line in the water. I've, I've been like that before, but it's not the place. It's not where you should be. Our, our heart should be, oh, God. You know, and usually service is an hour and a half, at the most two hours long. I, that means it gives me only about another ten minutes, and I'm done. But many times we're thinking about the buffet line so we can go buffet our body. You know, we're thinking about the food. We're thinking about, listen, Noah got out of the boat. Has anybody ever been brought through a great deliverance you come, when you're through, you just can't help but say, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. Not, you're not thinking about the burnt toast or the fishing boat. You're not thinking about any of that stuff. You're just, oh, oh, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Almost lost both of my children. Hannah, sitting on the front row. When she almost, when she passed, she flatlined. We almost lost her. I mean, really close. And when she came all the way out, there was this crescendo moment of life and death. When she came out the other side, thank God. I found myself on the floor worshiping. And I'm not thinking about what's for dinner. I'm not thinking about, oh, well, should we go up to Desca? Where should we launch? Where should, where should I? No, I'm thinking, thank you, God. Thank you that my daughter's alive. Thank you, Jesus. That's the way Noah worshiped God. And I believe it's that kind of worship that moves God. I don't think half-hearted stuff moves them all that much. Come on, just think about your, your own relationships. My wife, uh, the other day, I, I came home, and I had a lot on my mind. And so she was happy to see me, and she comes to give me a hug. Well, you know, I wasn't really, I wasn't really focused on that. Hannah, stand in the place of your mama for a second. So I, I, I come inside. There she is. And so I go to give her a hug. She's ready to give me a hug. And I'm like, hey. She's like, she, she says to me, thanks. She says, that's it? And I thought, oh, you want a hug. What's up? Sauntered over there forgot about all the stuff that's a real hug and like a fake one does everybody know what I'm talking about Noah worshipped have you worshipped today there's like a kiss then there's a kiss that's like shopping and shopping Men like the shops, kind of like hunting. Just going to bag it, tag it, bag it, and you're out. Yeah, tag first, right. 
women like going and just looking and just shopping. Just, oh, oh, oh. We have a tendency to frequent stores that have benches and chairs so we can sit there and intercede as a man, that is. Noah's worship moved the heart of God. Does your worship move him? Hello? Hello? Is your worship moving him or are you moved by something else? What causes your heart to go pitter-patter? I mean, what, what moves you? Look, if it doesn't move you, it's not moving him. I promise you that. And God, he chose to show mercy instead of um, mercy, not giving man what he deserved. Man deserved death. Noah worships God. Noah's worship moved the heart of God. God shows mercy, not giving man what he deserves. And curses are broken. Now, let me just say this. This is a good message. I think it's a good message. I'm not that I'm going to go a little bit longer. It's good. I'll just tell you that coming up, there's some stuff that's straight sizzles that's coming up. You do not want to miss any. They've got about three or four more messages in this series and they're steak knife messages. You don't want to mix ne miss next Sunday morning. You just don't want to miss it. Talk about breaking curses and bondages and talk about the Tower of Babel and all kinds of goodness. The table of nations and stuff. Awesome, awesome. Curses are broken in worship and you'll see a Psalm 149 about the power of worship. If you read through that, Verse 6 says, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Turn, turn to Psalm 149. Quick, hurry up. Take your time. Psalm 149, verse 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. It's a King James Version. To execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written. Wow. This honor have all the saints. The psalmist is talking about a judgment that's actually released, and I don't mean so much upon the nations, but I believe in the spiritual realm, judgments are released. When you worship God, it breaks the back of darkness. When you worship God, in a, in, but in this way, the high praises, the word is tehillah in the Hebrew. Tehillah, that's not like, I worship you, almighty God. Unlike you. Prince of peace. That is not what the high praises of God is. That kind of thing doesn't do anything, really. It's, it's lukewarm. It's lame. That's lame worship. When you have the high praises of God in your mouth, the tehillah of God, it's, it's a braggadocious, lose your mind, totally focused on all of your being, heart, mind, soul, and strength, worship unto God. It's not thinking about where the fish are running. It's not thinking about the boat. It's not thinking about, it's not thinking about the hug. It's not thinking about anything but God. It's all that's within me. 
It's every part of your, every fiber, every chamber of your heart worshiping God. When you worship God like that, when you worship God like that, it releases the power of God, it moves God's heart, and it breaks curses, and it releases mercy. Some of you might get something this morning. I mean, how lame is it for us to give him half-hearted worship? I mean, if the President of the United States walked in, most of you would stand up. Those of you that know etiquette and give honor to the United States of America, you'd pop right to your feet. Right? Old military guys know what I'm talking about? You wouldn't, you wouldn't be sitting. You'd be standing. And yet, when the King of Kings, we, we come before him to worship him, so oftentimes in the Spirit we're sitting. And I mean, you can worship God a tehella, a, a full high praise worship while still sitting. It's a condition of the heart. And so Noah worships and it releases mercy. Curses are broken. My goodness. And God gives a promise. He gives a promise. And what he says is, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Though the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, never again will I destroy a living thing as I have done. He'll never do it with water. Fire is the way he's going to do it next time. Verse 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest. And he gives this promise and this encouragement to Noah. And you got to take a little look deeper at this. And with this, I'll begin to bring the conclusion of this message. Why would God say, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease? Why would he say that? I think that the reason is, is because Noah was probably afraid. I don't know if you've ever been through something hard. You kind of wonder if that's going to maybe happen again. Could I maybe go through that again? I think Noah's terrified that maybe it's not going to work out so good. Now, what God was saying, no, Noah, life's going to go on. Life will go on. He said, what about wars, Pastor? Oh, there'll be wars. And then there'll be summer and winter, cold and heat. It, it'll go on. War will end. We'll move forward. Wow. It's an encouraging thing that you don't have to be afraid. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You go through difficult times and you, your, your mind begins to whisper to you about, oh, I, I, I wonder you know, if, I, if I'm going to make it the next time. And I think Noah was struggling with that. Gives this promise to Noah, don't worry. As long as the, the earth remains, you're going to come through the other side. There's, there'll, there'll be a tomorrow. As long as there is a tomorrow. As long as the earth remains, you've got nothing to worry. Now, if the earth's not remaining, then don't worry about it. Everybody say, don't worry. I'm going to look at your neighbor and say, don't worry. Okay, look at your other neighbor and say, don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing is going to be all right. I said, don't worry about a thing. Come on, it's going to be all right. Woke up this morning, the rising sun, three little birds 
outside my doorstep singing sweet songs a melody pure and <laughs> all right I am in no way endorsing the Rastafarian lifestyle <laughs> by singing that song I'm just telling you don't worry come on say don't worry I think he's saying that to Noah. And then the second thing I see that he's saying is plant a seed, reap a harvest. Put Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10 on the screen if you're able to. It's a powerful passage of Scripture. You see, Galatians 6, verse 7, it says this. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Leave it there. So... If you don't like your life right now, can I, can I come down here and talk to you a second? If you don't like what you have in your life right now, maybe you should look over your shoulder. Come on, everybody look over the shoulder of your life. Go ahead, look. And think about all the things that you did because all the things that you did got you to where you are. So if you don't like what you got right now, you need to change your... You don't like your was, change your is. Come on, say it. If you don't like your was, change your is. What do you mean? That means do things differently. So different seed. If you're a jerk, you will have people that will be jerks to you. If you're a poor friend that takes advantage of others, you will have people that take advantage of you. But if you sow love, you will get If you sow goodness and kindness, what, do you, what, will, what will you reap? goodness and kindness. If you sow to the wind, the Bible says, you'll reap the whirlwind. The whirlwind's not good. No. Say it's not good. What you sow, you reap. Don't, don't be confused about it. So really, your, your life, I mean, I don't want to be make it two generalities here, but the truth is your life is much, much of your life today is a sum total of the seeds that were sown, that you sowed. And your parents too, they got something to do with it. And, and other people also that affects your life. And people think that they can just do whatever they stink and want to and they're going to end up blessed. I got news for you. Wrong. That's wrong. If you want to make foolish decisions all your life, then you're going to end up messed up. You begin to make right choices, right decisions. You begin to live for God. Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows, whatsoever a man soweth, that he will also reap. Verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption or death. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit Reap life everlasting. Some of you feed your flesh so much, you wonder why you have an anger problem. You wonder why you got a lust problem. You're feeding it. Stop feeding your flesh. You better like amen or something. Come on, don't, don't feed your fallen human nature. Come on, you heard the illustration, the, the white dog and the black dog. No offense. The good dog and the bad dog, all right? The, the white one's the bad one, okay? 
You feed the good dog. Feed the good dog, and the good dog grows. Feed the bad dog, and the bad dog grows. If you feed your flesh all the time, then you're going to be a flesh monster. And you're going to have all the fruits of the flesh. But if you feed your spirit, that's the good one. You feed your spirit, man, you're going to get big and strong. I love what one preacher said. It's a good dog and a bad dog. Feed the good dog and put a cap in the bad one. Years ago, my mother said, son, you need to pray for crop failure. I said, what? She said, you have put a lot of bad seeds in the ground. I said, I know. She goes, well, you need to pray for crop failure. He's the Lord of the harvest. You pray that God would, some of those seeds just need to straight die. I thought, oh, that's a good prayer. And it's really, it's a prayer for God's mercy. Lord, even though I've done really foolish things, Lord, forgive me. Cover me. Let it not spring up, God. Somehow cause crop failure. Well, some of you need to pray for crop failure right now. Some of you are in the midst of your harvest and you're, 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 you're just like, oh, why did I sow those seeds? Why did I do that? All of life is seed time and harvest. That's what that text is saying, and that's what he's saying to Noah. And seed is also seen as money. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And he's talking about finances. We were taught a long time ago, I'll pass it on to you. If you don't have the money to meet the need, it must be a seed. Think about it that way. You have to, tithing's one thing. I, I remember somebody telling me, well, pastor, I, I, um, I looked at how much I made this year, and then I checked according to my giving records because I wanted to make sure I got right to 10%. I'm, I'm into tithing. And I thought, so you want to make sure you don't go over? Well, I wanted to make sure it's exactly 10%. And I thought to myself, okay, they're missing it. Pastor Vince brought an offering message in the first, the first part of our first service. And it was a great word. It's an issue of the heart. And the New Testament believer, it really, he owns it all. Hello? And so what it said to me when somebody said, I just want to make sure. Now I'm glad for their being diligent and, and, and checking. But the truth is, when you're tithing, you're just giving back to God. You didn't even give yet. That's actually what already belongs to him. After that is, is giving. And after that is sowing seed. So the tithing, you just didn't rip him off. Praise God, I'm glad you didn't rip him off. But it's not even sowing seed yet. And they're t- he's talking about sowing seed. And when you sow, he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Well, we believe this stuff and we teach it. And it's important. I've received back from the Lord more than I've ever given him by far. You can never outgive God. Say that. You can't outgive God. The, the, the next thing I see here, the third thing I see, and we're bringing this to a close is live each season of life knowing that he's there. No matter what season you're in. What do you mean what season? Well, I mean, you, 
You know, babies, they just kind of cruise and eat and get, they get taken care of. But then, you know, you, you grow up a little bit and you become a teenager. And teenagers are, well, how many of you remember your teenage years? How many of you thought you knew everything when you were a teenager? All the teenagers look around. How many of you just thought you, it's hard to be 15 and know everything. And the thing about teenagers, now they've proven this. And I love teenagers. I have a couple of them myself. And they're a great blessing. The thing about a teenage mind they've shown, men, uh, boys, or girls, it's not developed. You see, so they're so moved by their emotions that the, 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 the mind, the reason is not developed. So they don't, they don't, they're not all connected. All the synapses aren't quite connected yet. And so as parents, when you when you're, have teenagers, you have to help them so they don't go off and... People have made some of the most stupid mistakes as teenagers and destroyed their lives. So thank God for parents. And by the way, they're spiritual parents too. So if you remember growing up when you were a teenager, I, don't, I didn't enjoy my teenage years too much. And I just couldn't wait. I remember when I was 12, I couldn't wait to be a teenager. I'm going to be 13. And I turned 13 and it was like, big deal. I'm going to be 18. 18's where it's at. Come on. Get to vote. 21. Woo, 21. Again, for me, dumb as a box of rocks. And a hard time enjoying the different sections of my life because I kept wishing that I could get to the next one. And so when I'm 21, I'm like, dude, maybe you'll get married. Yes, then you get married, some of you, not me. Get married and you're like, Jesus, help me. Because then you have to die to yourself. And you have to, you have to, you should never get married if you think it's going to fix some kind of problem within you. I heard some stupid teaching about if you have lust, you just need to get married. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Because that, that, that will fade and then you'll be looking for the next thing. You got to deal with lust. But then, you know, you can think when you're married, well, I just want to have kids. We have kids, and then we have kids, and then you have kids, and you're like, oh, God. And then they grow up, and then they become teenagers, and you start reaping. You start reaping what you sowed. And you're like, oh, no, God, crop failure. And some of you, some of you are like, oh, let them grow up and move out the house. Then they move out, and you're weeping. And you have empty nest syndrome. Get my babies and my babies are low. Yeah. Then you can't wait till they have grandchildren. Listen, enjoy where you're at right now. Enjoy your life today. Today is the day. You're not promised another day. Worship Him right now. And then you get your AARP mail. And you're like, what? You got the wrong address. But then you're enjoying the, you know, the coffee and all the discounts at McDonald's and stuff. Don't worry. <laughs> enjoy every season. Come on, say, I'm going to enjoy every season. Because if you're constantly looking to the next one, you'll never enjoy the place that you're in. 
All of you younger people, listen to me. Enjoy where you're at right now. As painful and challenging it is, learn to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And God will bless you right there. He's with you in every season of your life. If you'll, if you'll, if you'll allow Him to be. If you want Him to be. Or you can just keep, you know, you know somewhere over the rainbow. There's a pot of gold on the other side. Well, that guy didn't work. Maybe it'll be this guy. Way up high. It's a pot of coal at the end of the rainbow. Today is the day that you have. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Rejoice. This is this is a day. This is a day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Hey, I will rejoice. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And become. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. Ha, ha, ha. This is. This is it. Come on, somebody say, this is it. You don't live for tomorrow. I mean, dream about the dreams, but live right now like this is the last day that you have on the planet. And every season of your life, try to love God and enjoy it. Can you say amen? And the last point as the worship team comes, redeem the time. Redeem time. What do you mean? Ephesians 5. See, then you walk circumspectly, verse 15, not as fools. So there's a way to live that makes you a fool. I won't ask you to raise your hand. Not as fools, but wise. Redeeming the time. Because the days of evil. The days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation. And let me say that you can put in all intoxicants right there. Don't be drunk. Don't be stoned. Don't be, don't be intoxicated. Don't, don't have things that alter your conscience. And not your conscience, but to alter... Yeah, you don't want to have things that alter your conscience either, but you don't, you don't want to put yourself under the control of something. You don't, want to want, you don't want to be under the influence of anything. That's what he says. You don't want to be under the influence of anything but the Spirit of God. But be filled with the Spirit. In other words, don't be filled with wine. Don't be filled with dope. Don't be filled with meds. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with anger. Don't be filled with lust. Don't be filled with the works of the flesh. Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Did you know you could sing to each other? I sing to my wife, not all the time, but occasionally. I've sung over my children. In fact, when Hannah was born, I, God gave me a song for a whole hour. Little did I know she was about to fight, almost lose her life. For a whole hour, I sang over her while she was in that little heater bin. You know those little heater things? I still remember the song. It was a prophetic song. Give her eyes to see your glory. Give her ears to hear your voice. Give her lips to declare your wonders. 
And it went on and on, and I sang it for a whole hour over my daughter. You know, you should have a vibrancy in your walk with God. Redeem the time. Everybody say, redeem the time. We're going to go ahead and receive communion as the ushers are coming. Pastor Alex, would you lead us? To worship you, I live. Be a worshiper. To Not part-time. Full-time. I live, I live to, to worship you. you. Just stand with us. To worship you, I live, I live to worship you. Ushers are beginning to serve communion. By your will. If you want to receive communion this morning, feel free. It's an open communion. I'd encourage you. I'd encourage you that if you're not right with God, that you get right with Him before receiving communion. This, what we're doing right now, is juice. So we don't stumble any former alcoholics. Welch's grape juice and crackers represents the blood and the body of Christ. What we're doing is become just a tradition for some, but it really is a powerful tradition, custom, symbols that represent the blood and the body of Christ. And when you take a cracker and you take the cup and you are going to receive what's called the Lord's Supper or communion right now, it is one of the most powerful things you can do as a believer. It's powerful in two ways. One, if you come and do it in a way that's worthy of Him and His death, His resurrection, then you'll receive the blessings of what is purchased by the death and resurrection. But if you receive the cracker and the juice in a way that's not worthy, then what the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 is that you will drink judgment on yourself. Well, praise the Lord. What do you mean? That means that you... In fact, he goes on to say that some have died early and have sicknesses because they didn't discern what was taking place. So if you have stuff in your life, you know you need to change it, and you're not going to, then don't you don't don't take it. That's between you and Jesus. Now, if you got stuff that ain't right and you're like, oh, I need to change, God forgive me, and, and your heart's in it, then go ahead, receive communion and believe God that'll help you to change. And then confess yourself to somebody and get some accountability so you stop fornicating. Get some accountability so you stop doing the very things that God's convicting you of. Amen. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. I live to worship you. Oh, to worship. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live. To honor you, to honor you, I live. To 
the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. In likewise manner, he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is shed for you. And as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So what we're doing now, right now, is we're remembering what Jesus did. He died on a cross and he rose again from the grave so that you could be forgiven, so I could be forgiven. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And to as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. In other words, if you've not received him, then you've not become his son or his daughter. So maybe you're here and you've never given your heart to Jesus. Don't, don't, don't leave this place without getting right with him. So examine your heart. If you're not right with God, ask him to forgive you. Is it that easy? Yep. That's it. I don't have to join some church or science. No, you don't have to do any of that. You'll want to. If it's sincere, you really get right with God. You're going to want to be around people that love God. I mean, that's normal. It's called being born again. If you've never been born again, you must be born again, Jesus said to Nicodemus, who came to him at night because he was ashamed. He didn't want to get in trouble. Listen, you're here. If you're not right with God, then repent. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to come into your life right now. Just you and Jesus. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ask Him. Hallelujah. For those of you that are forgiven and you've received Jesus, you've certainly blown it this week as I did. Come on, let's repent. Let's ask God to forgive us for our wrong thoughts and attitudes. Come on, you should have taken the trash out too and you didn't. You know that. Whatever it might be. Come on, examine your heart. Let's repent. Lord, forgive us for where we've fallen short. God, how we might have grieved you, where we didn't heed your voice, perhaps. Wrong thoughts, attitudes, or motives. Lord, we receive your forgiveness. We're, we are sorry. We grieve over it. God, change us. Help us to be more like you. Help us to live for you. Lord, we declare also your healing that's purchased. We receive healing. If you need healing right now, just receive it. We receive a healing, God. In the name of Jesus, God, we give you praise. And we declare that you will come back for your church. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat and drink together. Would you sing that once you're done chewing your cracker, Pastor Alice? The cracking cup is, service is just about over. The cracking cup is a custom that started long ago. You don't have to do it. I don't crack mine on purpose, but it's a picture that the curse is broken. Pastor Alex, come on, we're going to close in just a moment. But I felt a real unction on this just for a moment longer, and we'll close. Pastor. Because I will forever love you, Lord. I'll forever love you. Cause I will forever love you, Lord. Come on, just let him touch your heart right now. As you have redeemed my 60 time. seconds. And in you 60 to 90 I seconds and we're going to be done. With all your heart. Wholehearted. All your mind, soul, and strength. Worship him. Cause I will forever love you.
And in you I will hide, I will forever love you, Lord. So worship him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength. For such worshipers the Father is seeking in this hour. He's looking for them. I want to be one like that. Anybody else? Put your hands together for Jesus. Father, we thank and praise you for what you've done today. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us, God. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't miss tonight. Pastor Sherry is going to be preaching the word. Don't want to miss it. Praise God. God bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.